What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. You're listening to Under the Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. Glad that you're with me with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. One thing for sure as Bears fans, we cannot miss the larger point with the Bears. We can't miss the larger point. Never confuse activity with accomplishment when it comes to this Bears team. Because the more the days pass since the draft, the more I'm honed in on not just the Bears, but the NFC North. It's one thing for you to have uh, some issues, question marks, and that kind of uh, agenda that you might get <laughs> that you might get because of this Chicago Bears team or the Chicago Bears roster. But we cannot miss the larger point. There's points on this football team that we can address from position to position. Like, you know, it's good to see David Montgomery when he comes back because David Montgomery is going to be running the football for this football team and Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson are more gadget backs. You know, it was interesting to be able to read this from TheAthletic.com because I really believe that Kevin Fishbane just nails it. Every time you write something about the Bears, it's always interesting because The Athletic, to me, just really does a great job of breaking down what is going on as far as stats and research and homework, and they, they have a great blend. But it made me think, reading his column today, about step-by-step with this Bears team, talking about the running backs and how the Bears did not address the running back position because they felt comfortable with David Montgomery. They felt comfortable with Cohen as well as Patterson. And you continue to read, he talks about the wide receiver position, which is a bone of contention of mine and some of you regarding the wide receiver spot, where clearly the Bears feel good about their wide receiver room before the draft because of what they did not do in the draft by having Allen Robinson as, as an X receiver along with uh, the zebra receiver in Anthony Miller. So you got Robinson and Miller as the one, two punch. Now there's question marks about the draft pick Darnell Mooney, who is um, unbelievably fast. Everything that we read about what he did in college as a fifth round draft pick. And then you look at Javon Wims, a straight ahead runner, more of a special teams guy than a wide receiver. And you look at some of these other receivers on the on the roster, and you're just trying to figure out, okay, so what happens to Riley Ridley? Because we saw some glimpses of what he could do in week, I believe, 16 or 17 for the Bears. But of injuries and being benched, who knows what he can really do? So that is a storyline for the Bears because... In this offensive lane, you you do need to have wide receivers. You need to have difference makers and speed demons. And so Al Robinson's a guy. Riley Ridley at, at the Z position's a guy. Anthony Miller also. But are they going to be able to extend plays and be the re- receivers that we're looking for to sing? And then, of course, the tight end position, right? I mean, that really is really controversial here because Cole Komet gets drafted by the Bears. And as I mentioned on draft night, because I was on the air providing that draft coverage in round number two, 
I didn't have a problem with the Cole Komet signing. I had a problem with the Jimmy Graham signing. I can't find anyone that really felt that Jimmy Graham was the right guy at the U tight end for the Bears. And so it's one thing to have Cole Komet and say, okay, we got the best tight end in the draft. Cool. And then, but before that, you get Jimmy Graham. So there are two different uh, different type of tight ends. But the point is, is that there's a lot of money spent on Jimmy Graham when you could have Cole Komet without having Jimmy Graham. So that's that's really a lingering question about the tight end spot. And another thing that you look at with this team is the offensive line, where I don't believe it was really answered outside of two draft picks toward the end of the draft. Because you know, like I know, that if you don't believe that the quarterback was at fault for the way the Bears played offensively, you definitely can look at that offensive line. You could definitely look at Charles Leno Jr., and James Daniels and Cody Whitehair and taking a look at the right side of that offensive line, including Bobby Massey, and say that collectively they did not do the job well enough to be able to help the offense and to give time for Trubisky. So even though we take a look at the big picture, the offensive line was not addressed. So that's just another note for you. As we talk about the Bears on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app, what about the defensive line? You know, we don't talk much about the defense because the defense, for the most part, is solidified with this football team. It really is the strength of the team year in and year out. doesn't necessarily have to be a top number one defense, top five, top ten. We just know it's solid, no matter who the defensive coordinator is. We saw that last year with Pagano. It was still a solid defense. Akeem Hicks was hurt last year, but yet he's going to come back this upcoming season on strong at the defensive end spot. And you have Eddie Goldman, and you have Alal Nichols, and there's Roy Robertson-Harris. So you look at the defensive line, it's the strength of the football team. We don't talk much about them. And the offensive, uh, we take a look at the outside linebackers, and we take a look at Khalil Mack at linebacker, and now Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn comes in, and he definitely can pay dividends for this defense. He put up some numbers the last few years, and so plug and play, you expect Robert Quinn to be able to be as productive or more productive with a very aggressive defense, a a defense that plays with a ruthless aggression. And so having Robert Quinn on this team, along with Khalil Mack and others uh, on this as an outside linebacker, Gibson's part of this now as well via the draft, uh, should be interesting. So we don't talk much about that position or the inside linebacker position because Danny Trevathan at the Mike linebacker spot, again, you know, I probably would have preferred Nick Kwiatkowski to stay, the younger asset, making as much money as Trevathan with the contract, but they're going with Trevathan. So cool. They wanted to have more leadership in that locker room. Trevathan provides that. Um, Iwe Buniwe is um, a Mike linebacker. When he, again, we don't know how good he can be for a guy that was in somewhat the middle of the draft when he was taken. Roquan Smith at the Jack linebacker spot. You know, I think that he's going to be solid for years to come. So we don't talk much about the linebackers because Trevathan and Roquan Smith, and so that's fine. Then we get to the corners, and of course, Jalen Johnson was someone that was there for the Bears. They took Jalen Johnson at the right cornerback spot along with Kevin Tolliver. I expect Jalen Johnson to start on day one. And of course, on the other side is a very um, solid um, Kyle Fuller uh, along with Buster Screen at the nickel so, again, we, no, we, we talk about defense. We don't talk much about that position because even with Jalen Johnson there, you know that, that you have a veteran presence at that spot. And then we go to safety. 
the safety position with Eddie Jackson and Deion Bush, uh, Eddie at free safety and uh, Deion Bush at strong safety. Um, you know, that seems to be uh, fine uh, for the safety positions. And so the kicker thing, I've just not sold that Pinheiro should return as the place kicker for this football team. There's going to be competition, sure, but I think you could upgrade that if you find someone that could be more consistent. And the Bears could have easily did that in the draft, but they did not do so. They felt that Pinheiro was the right guy until they bring in some guy out of a clown car filled with kickers to compete with Pinheiro, and they're probably going to give Pinheiro the job anyway because obviously they don't have any uh, value in that position to put uh, draft capital or quality that position, even though it is a third part of the team. It's offense, it's defense, it's special teams. You know that like I know it. But after all, saying all that, and it was a great breakdown by Fishbane, once again, in the uh, athletic.com, we cannot miss the larger point with the Bears. What didn't I mention out of all those positions for the Bears? Some of them are like thumbs in the middle. Some of them are somewhat thumbs down. Some of them are really thumbs up. And me saying that this is the defense is not a, a real major problem, question mark at the cornerback spot, don't like what I see at the kicker spot, um, question mark at tight end, question marks at the wide receiver spot. There's a lot of thumbs in the middle. There's a little bit of thumbs down, but mostly thumbs up. That really is a byproduct of an eight and eight. When you are not sure whether or not you're going to be a good football team or bad football team, if you're turning in the right direction or wrong direction, that really spells eight and eight. I mean, there's three and thirteen, there's there's two and fourteen, or there's a Super Bowl like Kansas City. But when you are a football team like the Bears and you are an eight eight, it's just it's football hell. What didn't I mention? What I didn't mention is the quarterback position. The reason why I chose to talk about that last is because ultimately with all of that activity and all that movement I talked about in the draft and free agency, the big picture is what happens when we do start playing football and what happens when you're Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, and you've got a choice between a Super Bowl champion in the ultimate backup in Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, who was shielded away from everybody in that Rams game this past season. You remember this, right? The Sunday night game the Bears should have been won against the Los Angeles Rams. You remember this, right? I remember that picture of Matt Nagy having that big Rick Benny's card of plays, that laminated sheet of plays that he had, right? And he covered up Trubisky and Nagy's mouth and the helmet of Trubisky to whisper in his ear something. And we come to find out that whisper was, from Nagy's standpoint, hey, you know, if you're not 100%, we can take you out of the game. That's what Nagy said. That, you know, we gotta, had to convince him to take him out of the game because he wasn't playing well. That's what Nagy said. But many of us that were now on the sidelines speculated that Trubisky just need to have a breather and just stay on the sidelines for a little bit and just try to figure out, like, what the hell's going on and why are you so inconsistent? I remember that game because that was a game, again, the Bears should have won. But as Trubisky was sheepishly looking at the media saying, yeah, I, you know, they took me out of the game. I wasn't uh, 
you know, I, it was the it was something that Nagy wanted me to do, whatever, whatever coach says, because, you know, Trubisky is pretty much about the coach speak. But I, I want you to hone in on the bigger picture. The bigger picture is no matter what the Bears did or did not do at tight end, no matter what the Bears did or not not do at the wide receiver spot, what they did not do at offensive line, the bigger picture is if the Bears are n- not going to get this quarterback situation right, then what are we talking about? Trubisky, as we have documented, and we will do again on this program, Trubisky has been an underachiever for this football team. There are so many excuses out there about Trubisky, about how, well, the offensive line is not great and all those drop passes from the receivers and all that kind of thing. Listen, all those things are true. I will not deny you the fact that those things are true. All those drop passes, some of the, some of the worst that we have seen in the NFL this past season, oh yeah, those things are true. But at the same time, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are better than Trubisky, are actually worse than Trubisky, that find a way to be able to score, find a way to move the offense, find a way to move the pocket, find a way to be able to get away from the coach's shadow, to be able to have your own ability to have a rapport with your team, to be able to play a much better offensively than what we have seen. Nick Foles, on the other hand, is, again, the ultimate backup and was a savior for the Eagles when Carson Wentz, again, got himself injured. We know the story of Nick Foles. He's written a, he's written a book about it. I mean, he's a guy that has been a perennial backup and then gets a chance to play when he plays there's some magic to Nick Foles. Not with Jacksonville last year, but there's been some times where Foles has shown that magic. And so I want to make sure that we, as a show, are focusing on the big picture. I'm not happy with Komet. I'm not happy with Johnson. What's going on with this wide receiver in the fifth round? Why are they waiting till late in the draft for the offensive line? What You and I both know the answer to those questions, right? The answer to the question is Ryan Pace and his inability to understand that you just don't throw money at every hole on your football team as much as you can, like you like it's baseball, like it's the NBA. At some point, your draft picks have to be able to bear fruit. And what we're seeing here with this team is many of us are on pins and needles saying, look over there in Minnesota and the Twin Cities and look what's happening in Green Bay. And look how Detroit's trying to rebuild. And then there's that middling Bears team. Middling Bears team. In which you don't know if it's thumbs up or thumbs down. That's what happens when you're 8-8. Eight eight. So, Sean, open the phone lines at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is our phone number. I want to talk to you, the Bears fan, about if you're Matt Nagy, the head coach, and you have a choice because it, it's so fleeting. You don't know... What how next season is going to end. I'll just ask you, when it comes to Trubisky or Foles, how would you handle this if you're Matt Nagy? you got two, in his mind, two talented quarterbacks. How do you handle the Trubisky-Foles dilemma? Because out of all the other drama, all the other question marks about this football team, the focus has to be on who throws the football to the tight end wide receiver who can be able to get around a rickety offensive line. How does this get better? So three, one, two, three, three, two ESPN. If you're a bears fan, you're listening to me. I'm wondering if you're Matt Nagy, 
if you're in his shoes, how do you handle this? How do you handle this? And when do you know when to pull the trigger on either one of these quarterbacks, Foles or Trubisky? I want to get your thoughts on that coming up next right here on Under the Hood. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. It's a lot of moving parts when you're an 8-8 football team, right? A lot of things that the Bears need to shore up in the draft and in free agency. And I don't know, Jimmy Graham is uh, was part of this mix at the tight end position and then trying to solidify your defensive line by having Robert Quinn on the team as a linebacker. That's that's great. But the bigger issue is the quarterback position. The bigger issue is the quarterback spot. And we're talking about it right here on ESPN 1000. It's the most polarizing position in sports, the, the quarterback spot. Once you get it right, now you can start building. At one time, you could build around a defense, build around a running back, build around a couple of good wide receivers. There's always different ways to be able to handle this, but this Bears team historically has been about defense. And so I'm just trying to find out from you as a Bears fan, if you are, if you are Matt Nagy, how do you handle this situation at the quarterback spot? Because, again, like pace and whether or not you want pace out, look, you and I have talked about this for a while, but sometimes the noise – um, is so loud that we are not focused on what we should be, and that is trying to determine how this quarterback situation is going to play itself out. So if you're Matt Nagy, how do you handle it? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Still to come in our next half hour, we will get a chance to talk about uh, John McDonough and the Chicago Blackhawks. McDonough was with the Cubs for a long time in the front office with the Blackhawks, and now change has happened uh, with the Blackhawks, so we will have a special guest on to talk about the state of the Blackhawks, whether or not we, that we're done here with this core being part of a championship club uh, with the Blackhawks. So we'll get to that coming up in our next half hour right here on ESPN 1000, as well as a look around the NFC North. It's one thing we talk about the Bears, but we've got to figure out what the Vikings, Lions, and the um, and the Packers are doing. We'll get to that at 8 o'clock, all part of our mix right here on ESPN 1000. Let me get to the phone lines to talk to you. 312-332-ESPN, and then we're going to hear from uh, from several uh, that know closely about what the direction of this uh, this Bears team, at least we hope. Uh, here is Ryan and Lyle with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Hi, Ryan. Hi, uh, Jay. Thanks for uh, doing this show and keeping us uh, company while we're all sheltering in place. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank uh, you. I, I want to speak to what Coach Nagy needs to do, and I think anybody who's closely watched the Bears knows he's got a coach to his talent instead of forcing his talent to play his game. Uh, he's got an idea of what he wants football to look like, but we know there's winning football in a different way, and uh, he's got to look at his talent and, and go with Strong to them. Uh, he's a young coach. I have faith he can grow and do that. He's made changes. So let's see it. Um, and as to the rest of the NFC North, I'm not scared, Jonathan. Uh, the Packers did not improve. The Vikings got worse through free agency and then out pile draft picks and how they can't beat the Bears anyway in the last three years. So, and the Lions are the Lions. So the division's there for the taking. Let's go, Bears. All right, Ryan, I'm glad you checked in. Appreciate your phone call. Leaves line open, 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Yeah, you know, it, it is about coaching to your strengths. But it's just after 
a couple of years now, you have seen the relationship between Nagy and Trubisky, and Nagy has been as truthful as he can be, and Trubisky has come to an edge as we he kind of opened the door a little bit on how he felt about trying to move around the pocket, do a little bit more. I, I, clearly, he wants to get away from that offensive line and be able to get down the field a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that if you are Matt Nagy, you've got to seriously consider if this team underachieves, that could be my ass. That, that could be me. I could be out. Uh, and the same thing with Ryan Pace. This very well could be so much like Trustman and, uh, and Phil Emery in so many different ways in which there is an opportunity for you to get better. You're not getting better, so you've got to move on. Now, I, I, don't, I wish I knew what Virginia McCaskey was thinking, or the McCaskies in general were thinking about this football team because – the the team need to have more of an offensive focus, but yet it's gone backwards instead. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves from the piece from Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com talking about how um, as Mitch Trubisky heads into his fourth year, which past quarterbacks are his best comparisons. And I remember that piece and Trubisky, his numbers after the years he's been with the Bears, after three plus years with this Bears team, his numbers relate to uh, Josh Freeman and Sam Bradford and Ryan Tannehill and uh, Tannehill with the Dolphins in 2012 and Jake Locker and Josh Allen in 2018 with the Bills. And the, the, the reason why that those numbers are related is because Trubisky threw for 16.5 points a game offensively. That's putrid in this league now. There's a time where you can start winning games 14 to 7 and things like that, but it's bad when you can only get to 16 and a half points a game. And so when I hear those names, those comparisons to Trubisky of Sam Bradford and, and, and Tannehill in 2012 and Jake Locker, that's tough. That's tough. And Josh Allen, when he first came into the league, when he only averaged 16.3 points a game, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, uh, 312-332-ESPN, how do you handle this if you are, are if you are Matt Nagy? How do you handle the quarterback spot? Um, some thoughts now from Ryan Pace. So I just want people to be able to understand how Pace looks at the fifth-year option uh, for, uh, for Mitch Trubisky. It's only 10 seconds. Listen. You know, just coming off the draft right now, I mean, we're just decompressing on this final day. So, uh, you know, we know we have till May 4th. Um, and, yeah, there's no updates in, in that area. Well, May 4th is going to be quite the day, won't it? <laughs> it's going to be quite the day. You know he's not getting the extension. And, but but when we do get the official news that Trubisky is not going to get his uh, windfall of cash in this extension, um, that will tell a story, won't it, when we get to the season? Fifth-year option on Trubisky, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to exercise that kind of money for someone who hasn't given you the production that you thought you would get. For someone that you go up in the draft for, Trubisky has been underwhelming. Not horrible, just underwhelming for NFL quarterback standards, especially when you're trying to get to the playoffs. So we get your thoughts as well. Don't forget to hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet Hood. So John McDonough let go by the Chicago Blackhawks. So how do we look at the Blackhawks organization now? Uh, longtime goaltender, analyst for the NHL Network, Kevin Weeks is next. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. 
It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Change in the front office for the Chicago Blackhawks. We turn to a longtime goaltender, NHL Network uh, analyst Kevin Weeks is with us here on ESPN 1000 to talk about the Hawks. Kevin, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let me uh, find out, first and foremost, uh, you and your family, how's everything going uh, throughout Mm -hmm. this pandemic? It's it's been tough for everybody. Yeah, I appreciate you asking, man. We're all good here in New Jersey and New York City, and uh, our families, both on both sides, are doing well back in Canada So and in Barbados and the Caribbean. So, yeah, man, everything is good. Fortunately, what about on your end? Uh, You know, pretty good. Um, It's just, uh, it's tough. It's been a long time with this uh, quarantine in Chicago, we're one of the first ones to be quarantined uh, throughout this pandemic, but we're hang- hanging in there pretty good. It's all we can do is just uh, uh, wait it out. Absolutely. That's all you can do. That's right. Stay positive. Try and do your best to stay healthy, stay upbeat and stay safe. Stay positive, man. That's, that's the way we're approaching. I think that's, that's most effective for all of us as we all can to the best of our ability. So it's a great approach, man. Kevin, I want to reach out to you because uh, we didn't know that there was going to be some uh, tumult happening with the Blackhawks, with John McDonough being let go as the head of the Chicago Blackhawks. How surprising was this move for you when you found out? I mean, I'm of two minds. I mean, I was kind of surprised from the standpoint. Obviously, we know that they've had a amazing history that they've been able to accomplish, and John was a huge part of that. He was a big part of their team, and you know, a lot of times on the air. On any platform, as I'll say here, same thing on the NHL Network. I, you know, I reference it all the time. The Blackhawks established a standard of greatness, especially in the cap era. Um, them, along with the Pittsburgh Penguins, have been able to uh, to win three Stanley Cups within this window, which is incredible. It's an incredible accomplishment. The LA Kings were able to win two. So, I mean, the Hawks reestablished their brand. You know, it's it's no no real Illinois secret that. The brand was damaged and it was tarnished, which is unfortunate for such a historic generational franchise and an original six franchise in our league. But um, with the ownership takeover, Rocky and the new direction and, and hiring John and hiring uh, Joel Quenville and the different components, Dan Bowman at the time, Dale Talon and some of the different coachings that they had on the staff in addition to Coach Q at the time and drafting well, developing well, uh, they built an Outstanding franchise, and John was a big part of that. He was a big part of the resurgence, reestablishing the brand, rehiring a lot of the ambassadors, be it uh, Dennis Savard, the legends of the franchise. You know, late, great Stan Makita, Bobby Hall, you name it. And even bring Chris Chelios back there right now, who's a native Chicagoan, as you know. So they did, a, they did an outstanding job. John, from a business standpoint, did an incredible job. The hockey ops did a great job, and it's unfortunate but as you know, man, one thing I do know about being around this league for 22 years now between playing and now broadcasting is change always happens. It always happens. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And, you know, for John, I'm sure he's going to have a wealth of opportunities that he's earned if uh, if he chooses to, to take advantage of some of them because they had unprecedented success here. It was an interesting hire at the time, Kevin, because – 
Uh, you know the ebb and flow of the Blackhawks. There was a time where the Blackhawks mm-hmm. couldn't even draw five, 6,000 people at the United exactly. Center. It was just a, mm-hmm. a non-factor. And just uh, McDonough coming over from the Chicago Cubs as kind of like that Mad Men character, that person that knows mm-hmm. marketing, finance, always good with the handshakes at the dinner table uh, mm-hmm. with you know with uh, potential clients. I think that that was good. How, how common is that in the league in which you have someone, maybe not a hockey guy, but someone that understands the marketing aspect because that was along with the championships um, the awareness of the Blackhawks was big and McDonough was a big part of that how how often do you see that in the league well I mean we don't see it as often probably a little bit more now than we had because hockey is very traditional not dissimilar to baseball baseball has been very traditional as well uh, and I do think that there's a lot of room for for those of us that have been involved in the game you know since playing street hockey before we got skates at five and four and six years old because we've earned that from that time till now, from grassroots till now. But there's also some room for people to come in and add their expertise and add value and elevate things. And John's a great example of that. Um, you know, Commissioner Bettman started at the NBA, learned under David Stern, and Commissioner Bettman's the longest tenured commissioner in pro sports right now in the big four. So and he's done an outstanding job too. He's a Hall of Famer, Commissioner Bettman. So I think that there's there's room for that but I think it takes some open-mindedness. And, you know, when you're open-minded, if the person has the, the intangibles that you're looking for, you know, she, he, or they, they possess those traits that you're looking for and they resonate with you as an ownership group, then, you know, it's not about it being traditional, quote-unquote, per se. It's about it being the right hire. You want to have the right hire. You want to have the right person that can add value that can uh, that can really elevate and help deliver. And let's be honest, what the Chicago Blackhawks were doing for years, as you pointed out, was was off the mark. It really was. And for a great city like Chicago and Chicagoland, um, the second city as it's known, but a global city, international. We all know the great athletes that have played there for all sports, not just you know by way of hockey alone. And if you're learning anything by watching this last dance right now <laughs> on ESPN with MJ, who I grew up idolizing and, and still do and had a chance to attend some of his events, you know, they would have, they could have very easily said, well, nah, we're not going to draft this guy. He's from, he's from UNC. Nah, nah, man. UNC. No, he's from Wilmington. Nah, forget it. No, nah, we're not drafting him. <laughs> right. They could have gone with somebody else. You know what I mean? They could have gone with somebody else. That, that could have been the thing. And, you know, the landscape of sports in the world would have been different, way different than what we know it to be now. So although it was a, Seemingly, and you're right, unconventional hire at the time. I like that step. And look at what they're doing on the Bulls side right now. Like, mm-hmm. you look in the United Center, just down the hall in the other offices, there's a guy from back home in Toronto who evidently the Bulls have hired in Eversley, uh, who's going to be their new team president. You know, so, and the Bulls see that. And then also Karnasovas as well, who's their exec VP, who they just hired to play the college ball at Seton Hall. So sometimes, you know, there's always a room for tradition. There's a room for innovation, but to me, there's always a thirst for results. And whatever that mix looks like and who can help us get there, regardless as to where they're from, where they're not from, color, age, religion, race, creed, gender, I want the best of the best for the best reasons that can help us get the best results. That's the way I'd run a team for sure. And then you come to find out that Connor Sovis is a house music guy, and house music is... I love was, house too, man. Right. <laughs> hey, listen, don't mess, don't mess around. Last year, we were at... We were at a Harlem meet up here in the city and mm-hmm. with Chef Marcus Samuelson, who you know, and it was buzzing. The whole place was bumping, but once the house came on, everybody went wild. 
Like everybody, I'm talking grandmas, everybody, everybody went wild once the house music came on. And especially me for being, uh, you know, from Barbados, having Bajan parents, that uh, that house beat, it, it, it hits you in the bone. So I, I love my house, man. Little Louis Vega. I know the whole Chicago house scene. I love, <laughs> I love my house, man. Yeah, when yep. I, that was he sold me, Kevin. When I heard that, I was like, okay. I mean, not not. I mean, EDM is is one thing, but you have the house yeah. and the mixture of EDM. Like, okay, he's into right. it. So I'm like, all right. So we're gonna be good friends up here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no. That I mean that 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 era was that was incredible, man. It was incredible. So all of them, all those old house cats. I love Inner City. As I mentioned, Little Louis Vega, all of them. Every one of them, I just love that era. That's that's a great era for music, and anybody can group to that at any time. That's modern day disco, really. That's that's who I put it. NHL Network analyst Kevin Weeks with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So Hawks fans are wondering, Kevin, you know, mm-hmm. you get your, your three titles in six years, and everyone has their run, you know. And with mm-hmm. the Hawks, it was great. It was a great time, but then it just dropped off the table where they, uh, where the Hawks were not even in the playoff picture. And so, mm-hmm. how how do you analyze the good times to where it's trending in the wrong direction? Well, I'd say one thing, man. Success isn't finite, and you've got to go out and earn it every day. There's no question. We all know that. And while the Hawks were setting the pace, there's other teams that were watching. You know, other teams are saying, hey, what are the Hawks doing? Okay, hey. And, you know, everybody knows each other. Guys played with each other. They played against each other. They played together in college. They played together in junior. Some guys played together in Europe. And there aren't a lot of secrets to success, and success leaves clues. So people were picking up on what the Hawks were doing, which is, you know, how the Kings came along and, kind of built their recipe and then Pittsburgh tweaked their recipe and then they were back again for two more. I think in the end, look at St. Louis last year. They could never beat the Hawks, ever. They tweaked their recipe and they were able to do it. They were dead last last year in January. Dead last. I just talked to Patrick Maroon who played for them last year. St. Louis native too, who's now playing for Tampa. But um, the interesting thing about it, I think, is the Hawks, to some extent, I don't want to say they were victims of the salary cap, the salary cap was very, very challenging for them to navigate. And you had so many great players. Look at the players that aren't on the Hawks anymore that could be on other teams that could still be playing. I saw with Dustin Bufflin because he was really the biggest X factor outside of Kane Taves or uh, Duncan Keith as a two-time Norris Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. Big Dustin Bufflin, I mean, if he was still there, oh, gosh. And especially if he was still playing up front, oh, my goodness. Man, so – they were kind of, they had to fall to the salary cap, which is difficult. And managing the cap was difficult. I would say one mistake for them, though, for me, was Artemi Panarin. And I remember how excited Stan was when he got him, because Stan told me about it during the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, weeks you watch, I'm getting this right-handed Patrick Kane named Panarin out of Russia. And then I talked to some of my boys who were over in Russia coaching the KHL, and that played there, they're like, you know, Chicago, when they get that guy, that guy, wait, you just wait. And sure enough, he was electric when he came. And Patrick Kane and Anisimov, that was the best line in the league. But I think not re- not resigning him was a big a big uh, a big mistake for them. I'm sure they'd want to do over. And then the other challenge, like I said, is managing the salary cap. Players get so good, they improve so much that you can't play them uh, the same way from a compensation standpoint. Guys want to maximize their earnings, and you don't blame them. And you certainly understand that. And then guys want trades, or you know. It comes as a result of the organization not being able to afford them in certain instances. So that happens. And I think the biggest thing, too, was then you end up making the, the coaching change. And Carlton's a bright young coach, so he gets his opportunity. And you got to be fair. Everybody has a day one. We all have a day one. Right. you know. So for Jeremy, 
And, uh, and Sheldon Brookbank, who I played with in New Jersey, who's the assistant coach, and the rest of the staff, Jimmy Waite and those guys, they're at the front end of this rebuild right now. The Hawks are about six points out of a, a playoff spot in the West. They were playing really well. Corey Crawford's healthy and looks like himself once again. So they're on the come up. They've got some good pieces, but sometimes when you have to retool and you got to shuffle the deck, you got to change your ammo out. That's when that, you know, that little dip can take place. And that's what happened to them. But as mentioned, overall, the fact that they have the three cups, um, that's unprecedented for them. And I think the bigger piece is now they're young. And the great thing is they still have hall of famers around them. Patrick Kane's the fastest American born player to a thousand career points, man. You know, and he's still highlight, as they call him, showtime. He's still showtime. Jonathan Taze still hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. Duncan Keith has been better of late. So they have those future Hall of Famers that are still on the roster that can help shape the young players like uh, a DeBrincat, for example. And this Dominic Kubalik, who's came in and played really well this year as a rookie. So if you're looking at that core of the team that you mentioned, Keith, Taves, Kane, Crawford, Saad, I mean, that's really the core of the club Mm -hmm. that were part of that championship core. You're keeping those guys, right? Because ultimately it feels... It feels, uh, Kevin, like some kind of reset that they're looking at. Maybe I'm looking at it differently because McDonald's mm. let go. But I'm saying, as you mentioned, Taves and Kane in particular can still go. So uh, exactly. are, you resetting the, are you resetting the organization or are you looking to get younger? You know, I'm, I'm looking at right now for the best players available in the window. And the fact that you have a Jonathan Taves, the fact that you have a Patrick Kane, and you've got you know, Duncan Keith still playing on your first pair, on on the back end, and you have Crow in the net and Corey Crawford. Those are contending pieces. Those are championship pieces. So now you draft Kirby Doc last year out of Saskatoon. That kid's got a lot of skill. I think he can be a player. Um, you still have DeBrinket, who's super young, now going into what now in his third year. Excuse me, really as a young guy still, who scores. Even though he had a little dip in his production this year, but and then uh, on top of that. You start bringing in some of the young defensemen on the back end, and I like where they're going. But I would be looking at the best players available right now, and if it fits into my cost structure, I, I wouldn't be afraid to add them because you know that they've got great ownership in, uh, in Rocky and the Wirtz family. Um, you know that they're willing to spend the money on the right pieces, regardless of age, just the right pieces that fit at the right time and the right roles. You know that you have that with ownership. And that's one thing. When you've got great ownership, I just spoke to Bill Foley, who holds the Vegas Golden Knights. He's the, their majority owner. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, whoa, what happened to Vegas? I remember talking to him backstage, Bill Foley, after the expansion draft in Vegas at their brand-new arena, T-Mobile. We see, here's how we're going to play. This is our identity. I went to West Point. I'm a West Point grad. We're going to have West Point colors. We're going to never retreat, never give up, this, 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 this. That's exactly what they've become. And in the first year, they blew it out of the water, Vegas did, right? by going to Stanley Cup final. That was unprecedented in all of pro sports. So I'm just saying that to draw the parallel between Vegas with that type of ownership. The Hawks do have that type of ownership as well. And when you have good ownership, at least that gives you, you know, as a manager and, and in running the hockey department or the business department in whatever role, that gives you the resources that you need to be successful. You know, you don't have to haggle. And that's one good thing, I think, for the Hawks fans. And just from talking to players and different staff on that team, it's a first-class organization. They treat everybody first-class. The resources are there. So now it's just a matter of getting some more of the right pieces to add to the puzzle. I don't think all is lost, 
they're a lot closer than people think. And anytime you have those four horsemen that they have there, you got a chance. So you see the way that they played in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. They played much better. You know, I look at them right now and sitting at 72 points or six points back on Nashville um, and tied with Vancouver, who has 78 points. So too does Nashville. So the Hawks are only six points back. It's, it's not, it's, it's at a tall order. Yes. But I think that they're a lot closer than people think. Okay. So I got you on record saying, don't trade the core, just add to the core. That's what I you're would saying, add to right? the core because okay. here's, here's, here's the thing. It's your cost of replacement, right? At least for now, because we're, we're looking at right now today. And what's your cost of replacement? Can you replace a Patrick Kane? Where are you finding that? What pieces are you going to get in exchange for that? So, I don't know, even if you get two first-round picks for him, how much further along is your squad, right? Mm-hmm. And Patrick Kane still has a lot of runway. He hasn't had a lot of injuries. He's been durable for the majority of his career. He's highly, he's still highly productive. And, you know, Patrick Kane, you, you add him, you look at Taze, you add him, no real drop-off in his game. You know what he's going to give you. The bigger the game, the bigger he plays. He's won at everything, uh, going back to college and then going back to the World Juniors, Olympic gold, World Championship gold, like you name it, <laughs> World Cup of Hockey gold. So those guys are tough to come by. Even Duncan Keith, those guys are tough to come by. I know Seabrook's injured right now, and he's taking a lot of flack. But when you do have those young players, here's one thing that's important is you don't want just anybody around them because you're, they're impressionable, right? And right. you want the right guys like the aforementioned players that show those guys what it is, how it is to live, how it is to conduct yourself, how do you come to the rink, how do you present yourself when you come to the rink, um, you know, how you train, how you recover post-game, post-game workout, all the different nuances that make those guys, at least three of them anyway, future Hall of Fame locks. So when you can impart that on your young players, that's invaluable. Because <laughs> a great example, again, going back to the last dance, you saw the way that Jordan was able to shape that team. You saw it. Mm-hmm. You saw that mentality. You saw it. Okay, listen, I'm getting with, And I just spoke, in fact, I just had Tim Grover on my show on Instagram Live. So you fans, make sure you check us out. Check me out on my Instagram Live at Kev Weeks. But um, I just had Tim Grover on. We, we spoke last week. We talked for an hour. And for those of you that may or may not know, Chicagoland guy, trainer to MJ, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade was also from there. And I've had conversations with Tim, and Tim talks about it, and you saw it in the show. You saw it in the last dance. So when you have those types of competitors and consummate professionals that are hyper-detailed about being a pro, that's what you need in your, in your dressing room. That's what you need in the practice facility. That's what you need on the plane. That's what you need on the bus. And that's why that's why I'd be hesitant to trade any one of those guys. Kevin Weeks, NHL Network Analyst with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. A couple of things, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. Crawford earlier. And mm-hmm. I thought that, okay, 35, 36, if you want to get younger in the net, I have no problem with that. I liked Leonard. Leonard brought yeah, Leonard was nice. He, Leonard played real well. He just he played he, real well. He's, he's yep. such, a, such a character, too. You put the yeah, light on funny. him, and he just he talks for an hour. And he's uh-huh. he was always interesting. He goes to uh, Vegas and... Yes, correct. He, so he, you know, I didn't like what he said once he got to Vegas. He thought that the Blackhawks short changed him uh, financially because he's going to say speak his mind. I mean, it's Leonard, so he's going to say what he wants. I sure. just thought that he was going to be the future um, in goal for for the Hawks. He was not. So I'll ask you about Subban because he's all this part of this club as mm-hmm. well. Could he be the future behind Crawford and goal? You know what, man? I've known Malcolm since he was young, and his older brother PK came to my hockey camp back home in Toronto when he was four. 
So uh, what I would say is Malcolm has all the talent in the world. I just spoke to Malcolm's goalie coach that he works with in the offseason, who's back in Toronto. He's Pittsburgh's assistant goalie coach and Andy Kyoto. And we just talked, you're psychic, because we literally just talked about this yesterday and the day before. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm in agreement in that. Malcolm has all the talent in the world, tons of skill, great athleticism. And I mean that in terms of flexibility. He's fast, quick, explosive when he needs to be. And I think this is a great opportunity for Malcolm there in Chicago because same thing. He can get in behind Corey Crawford, learn from a guy that's won, learn from a guy that's a good pro who was doubted, who was uh, second-guessed, and who had to earn everything, who played in the minors and did the whole, the whole bit and came out triumphant as, as a multi-Stanley Cup champion. And their goalie coach, Jimmy Waits, great at what he does. So I think Malcolm has the talent to take his game to the next level. I, I firmly believe that there will be an opportunity if he stays in Chicago for him to play some more games. And I know this for a fact. Playing goal is like playing golf. If you don't play, you can't be that good, especially when you're young. Because when you're young, you need the reps. And it's such a feel-intuitive position, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that to say, if you look at Malcolm's split, you look at when he played when the great Marc-Andre Fleury was injured, and you looked at Malcolm's numbers versus when he would kind of spot in, spot spot out, spot in and out. And his spot, his starts, excuse me, were a little more spotty. They weren't as consistent. Then you saw a different performance. And I, I just think for him now, he just needs to go all in on his game, all in on uh, on working on his craft. And, you know, I, I use the example, put some Patrick Kane or Duncan Keith or Jonathan Tate or Jordan or Kobe, the late great Kobe, God bless his soul. Put some of that into your craft now. You know, if you've done a lot before, do more in terms of in terms of working on your game and repetitions and things of that nature. So, Malcolm has a talent. I really think I've said that from the beginning. I've known him since he's a kid. I just think that for Malcolm, the biggest thing for him now is just to push that push that a little bit harder, turn the dial up a little bit more, invest in his game a little bit more. And he's come a long way, but I still think there's there's some runway for him to take his game to the next level for sure. Kev, I'm glad you spent some time with us. Uh, interesting times for the Blackhawks. And uh, uh, when it's time, whenever it's time, we'll have hockey <laughs> back on the ice. But I'm not, I'm not going to rush it. Let's get healthy first, <laughs> and uh, let's see when hockey returns. Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you taking the time, and, and thanks for having me on, man. Thanks to all the Hawks fans. Uh, I know how passionate they are, and I know how many of you watch us on the NHL Network. And as I mentioned, tune into my live, my Instagram at at, uh, at Kev Weeks, and I've got different guests on, not only from hockey, but different sports all around the world. So make sure you tune in. And everybody, more importantly, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay positive for you and your family and your loved ones. Kev, thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Let's do it again. All right. It's Kevin Weeks, NHL Network Analyst with me, Jonathan Hood. You're listening to Under the Hood right here on ESPN 1000.